You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Sportsman's Nation is a 2% for conservation certified business. This means that we donate 1% of our time and 1% of our revenue to conservation. If you want to find out how you or your business can get certified or learn more about the organization, visit fishandwildlife.org. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. Welcome back, everybody. I hope everybody listening is doing fantastic. I'm doing pretty good myself, so I hope you guys are doing good. It's been a pretty nasty week. It's raining right now, but uh, I'm very glad I'm inside right now recording this with you guys. It has been a busy, busy week and a half. Uh, my man, it's been just been packed full of family stuff. My wife's brother is in the Marines and he's getting ready to deploy, and so he is home right now on his pre-deployment vacation. And because he came into town, my wife's mother came into town. And so we've been doing a ton of stuff with her family. And then at the same time, uh, my brother had a baby. And so I went over there and I walk into the house and my mom is holding this beautiful little baby. And I walk over and she introduces me to Olivia and I'm, I'm you know, smiling at her and playing and uh, just, you know, enjoying this awesome creation. And then I hear uh, my brother behind me say, hey, bud. And I turn around and my brother is also holding a small little baby and it got confused for a second and then it hit me. They had kept it a secret the entire pregnancy, but they had twins. And so instead of welcoming one little niece into the world, I got to welcome two little nieces into the world. So uh, I'm so excited for my brother and his wife. They're awesome, awesome parents already. And now they have two more little bundles of joy to take care of. And so that was awesome. And then, like I said, my wife's family, we've been doing tons of stuff. We celebrated uh, her brother's birthday while they were here. She had a niece that had a birthday, so we celebrated that. 
um, just, you know, going out to dinner after work. Uh, we went golfing one day. Uh, I was actually supposed to take uh, my wife's brothers and grandpa fishing on Saturday, but we, they had like 20 mile per hour winds. And so I decided it was not a very good day to take the boat out on the water. So instead we just, you know, hung out and play ga- played games and hung out with the family. So that was a good backup plan. So, but all that to say, I have not gotten out in the woods very much the last two weeks or really at all. Um, but I am excited because as soon as I get done recording this episode, I'm packing my bags because tomorrow I am headed turkey hunting. My first turkey trip of the year. Super pumped for it. I'm actually headed to the Panhandle of Texas to chase Rio Grande turkeys with my boss and good old best friend. And so I haven't been, I think I've been out there once since we graduated high school. Uh, we went out there to go dove hunting. But uh, when we were in high school, we went out there all the time to chase turkeys. They have a ton of turkeys uh, on his family's land out there. And so, yeah, like I said, first time going out there for a while or in a while. And so I'm hoping to get a Rio out there. And then the weekend after that, my wife and I plan to go hang out with my brother and his family and the new babies. And uh, I plan to definitely sneak away in the mornings to do a little more turkey hunting on our place uh, for some eastern birds. And so I've, I was trying to think back. I don't think I've ever actually killed more than one species in the same year. I've killed Easterns and I've killed Rios, but I've never gotten an Eastern and a Rio in the same year. I've, I've never actually killed more than one turkey in a year. Um, like I said, I've, I've turkey hunted, hunted. I've just not done a ton of it. And so my goal this year is to get two birds and two different species or subspecies, however you want to say it. Um, if I'm unsuccessful with my buddy this weekend, my other buddy has a, a lease with a bunch of Rios on it. And so I can try to go out there, but anyway, so that's my goal. My goal for Turkey season this year is to get both a Rio and Eastern. So I put some trail cameras out on my dad's place. Uh, and, Man, to be honest, I, I just I'm not seeing the turkeys I normally see. We normally have a group of like three to four toms that are always out and about. See them super often. Just not seeing them this year. I don't know what's up. Uh, I've only seen one tom at all. Like just one tom that you know had a full beard. You know, two year old bird. I've seen some jakes and hens and stuff. Um, overall, like it doesn't really seem like the numbers are down. It just seems like the number of tom, like mature toms, are down. And so I don't know what's going on there, but I'm still going to give it a try. going to go out there. Um, I'm not saying I won't shoot a Jake. I'm hopefully not going to. You know, I want a Tom, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not a hardcore enough turkey hunter that I'm like, oh, I have to get a Tom. So so we'll see what happens there. But uh, anyway, that's what's been going on with me, what's going to be going on with me in the next uh, couple weeks. The boat's in the garage right now, and it appears it's going to stay there for a little while. You know, I want to focus on turkey hunting while it's turkey season. I got all summer to get out on the boat, and so that's kind of my plan right now. So anyway, moving on. So this week, I want to talk about gear, and there's a big reason I want to talk about gear. Uh, I... One, I love gear. I have tons of gear, but also as I've gotten older, I find myself using less gear. Like I'm, I still consider myself a gear nut, but I'm more, or I'm, yeah, more about quality gear than quantity of gear. And for those of you who maybe this is your first time listening or haven't listened to many, you know, I lived in Idaho for five years while I was in college. You know, I did a lot of elk hunting out there. 
Um, since I graduated uh, and got a job, I've gone back and taken better gear with me. Um, but I've I've hunted with a lot of people out there who, like myself, didn't have a lot of money to spend on gear. And so many people get their hunting inspiration from Instagram or Facebook or you know pros on TV that have all this gear they get it for free or you know that's their life and so they spend a ton of money on it and i want to talk about gear that people like you guys and me can afford you know like some realistic gear um i have some i think kind of interesting inputs on what gear is important and what gear is not um so yeah uh yeah i want to talk about like what gear is important what's not uh, i am going to talk about some things i've used in the past some things i use now and I just, I don't want, I don't want gear to be the reason that somebody doesn't go on their dream hunt because they think they have to have all this crazy expensive stuff. You can do it. I promise you on any budget with whatever you have, you can get it done. And hopefully I'm going to talk to you guys or I'm going to inform you guys how you can get it done more affordable or with stuff that you even have. You know, I want to talk about kind of priorities, where you should put stuff on your priority list. And a big part of the reason I want to do this right now is because, again, like like me, you know, I can't wait until August if I'm going on a September hunt and then just go and spend several thousand dollars on gear. You know, I have to I have to time it out. I have to, you know, spend a little money here, spend a little money there and kind of build it up over time. And a lot of the gear that I have, honestly, it's been built up over years, you know, not just a few months. Um, but yeah, so I hope this uh, podcast inspires you guys to kind of start building your your gear list, um, your wants, your desires. And I hope it also just helps you guys realize that it, it is more attainable than a lot of people think. So, so enough of my rambling. We're going to get into it. Uh, this week, we are going to talk about gear. All right, guys, so starting out, I want to hit a few of the, you know, big ticket items, the stuff that everybody hears about, everybody is like, oh, spend as much money as you can. The first one is boots, and to me, this varies greatly by experience and in how good a shape you are. If you wear boots every day of your life, you can probably get away with a cheaper, not as firm boot. If you are a flip-flops or Crocs guy, then you might need a little bit nicer boots. The big thing with boots is breaking them in before the trip. And I'm not talking about buying them, you know, two weeks before and wearing them every day up to the trip. I'm talking about really breaking them in. Uh, I would like, if you're going on a hunt this September, October, go buy a pair of boots tomorrow and start wearing them, no matter what the cost. You know, for me, like when I started elk hunting, but the first year I ever elk hunted, I wore a pair of hand-me-down boots that my dad had brought my older brother when they went on a elk trip to Colorado with my uncle that I was too young to go on. Like, I didn't get to go. I still hold a grudge to it this day, or to them. Um, but yeah, like that's what I wore my first year. They didn't fit right. Um, they were too big. They were way too warm for what I was doing. They were like 800 gram insulator or whatever. Um, and I was doing a lot of hiking, a lot more than they were. Um, they were terrible, but honestly, when I was out there, I really didn't notice them because I'd been wearing those boots for like three years prior to that, uh, because I couldn't afford to buy my own and they were way nicer than anything I could afford. Um, you know, honestly, they were probably only like 
a hundred and fifty dollar pair of boot, which I say only. That's you know a decent amount of money, but as far as boots, that's definitely on the cheaper side. Um, but they were very broken into my foot, and so I really didn't have a problem with them. Um, I bought a pair of boots uh, before I went on a New Mexico bear hunt one time, and I bought them. Man, like I just said, not to do about two weeks before the trip. Um, barely wore them at all, and my feet were miserable. Even though they were a nicer boot than what I had before, my feet were miserable because they weren't broken in. Um, like I said, if you are someone who doesn't get outside a lot, if you're not used to you know walking on uneven ground, then boots are you probably need to make a bigger investment. You know, you're going to need something to hold up your ankle that's not used to bending and flexing and everything like that. Um, I will say if you can afford them, then yes, go ahead and buy expensive boots. Like it's not going to hurt anything. Um, but if you're, you know, a budget type guy, I just, I don't agree with a lot of people saying that boots are the most important thing you should have. I just, I just don't. I've been out there. Um, my buddy Jasper that I had on a few weeks ago, he does a ton of elk hunting in tennis shoes. He likes them because they're lightweight. Um, you know, if you have to get them wet, they dry quicker than boots do. Um, it's just one of those things. Like it's, it's almost some experience in there. Like you can get away with a cheaper boot. So that's my two cents on boots. If you can afford them, great. Um, don't roll your ankle, but it's just, I don't think they're as important as a lot of people make them out to be. The next thing I want to talk about, another big ticket item is a pack. And again, like it's, it's a weird thing, guys, like being an Easter, Eastern living guy, you know, East of the Rocky mountains and going West, you, a lot of people, including myself, uh, have taken a lot of, uh, advice from people who either don't live out West or, you know, like the professional hunters that get all this gear and are promoting this gear. Um, when I lived in Idaho, you know, I, uh, I went hunting with my roommate and his family, you know, his dad and his brother and stuff. They all lived in the mountains of Idaho their entire life. Uh, they all used like Jansport uh, backpacks, either Jansport or uh, North Face, something like that. Like basically the backpacks that they used in high school is what they used to elk hunt with. Now the big difference, and you got to keep this in mind, is they had a... Uh, I believe his dad got them at the at an army surplus store. They had some old uh, frame packs at the pickup, and so their strategy was basically their pack was just big enough to carry whatever they needed from that for that day. You know, they they usually left the pickup in the morning, came back in the evening. Um, you know, they lived close by, by, so they would drive home every night, and so their pack like they just needed to carry what they needed for that day. You know, a couple bottles of water, a sandwich maybe some calls and like an extra jacket or whatever. And then basically if they got something, they would just hike back to the truck, unload all their stuff, grab their frame pack and head back up there to carry the animal out. And so again, like if you're a budget type guy, don't think you need this, you know, $600 one pack that does it all type pack. Um, you know, if you're going to do like camping, if you're going to be backpack hunting where you're staying out, then obviously, yes, you're going to need a little nicer pack. But even then, I've seen a lot of people use like, you know, a hiking backpack, not a hunting backpack, but like a hiking backpack. That way they have more, you know, they have room for their tent, their food, water, and all that stuff. But it's way cheaper than getting like a big frame pack with a pouch and all that good stuff. And so if you're kind of on a budget, 
you know, look at doing something like that. And again, you know, like it's very hard if you, if you've never packed out an elk, um, most of us are not like these super fit, you know, run 200 mile races type guys. Like it's very hard to pack out all your camping gear or all your gear all in even one quarter, you know, like if you have dreams of like carrying an elk out by yourself in one or two trips, like it's probably not going to happen. And so for most people, you're probably going to head back to your vehicle, unload your stuff anyway, you know, get your gear, get a uh, bottle of water or two, and then head back to pack out your animal. Hopefully you have some friends there with you to do it. And so again, like packs, I don't think it is all that necessary to have some crazy pack. That being said, <laughs> I now have one of those crazy packs I was just talking about. I have a stone glacier pack. I absolutely love it. Uh, this last hunt that I went on in Idaho was the first trip I took it on. Uh, I could fit all my camping gear, my clothes, my food, water, everything in it. Um, one thing I really like the stone glacier and the way it's laid out. Um, they make that pack for simplicity, which is good, but it also like, I wish it had a few more pockets and a few more zippers. Like there's basically the main opening at the top and that's it. Um, I did buy two of the little like accessory pouches for the belt that I could put like calls. I, I put my phone in one of them, you know, so I had to take pictures and all that in my map and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I will say that thing was nice. Like <laughs> I'm not going to say that I would ever go back to a pack unless I, or uh, I mean, a you know, a cheaper pack unless I absolutely had to. Um, but it's also not necessary at the same time. And again, even with that super nice pack, I had so much camping stuff that there's no way I could have hauled a quarter out, um, with all my gear. Like I would have had to go back to the truck, empty the pack and then take the pack back out, uh, to get meat. Um, uh, for those of you, again, like if you've never packed out an elk and that's your goal, you know, deer are different. Deer are a lot smaller. You can pack out a deer, um, even a, a bigger mule deer. Most people can do that in one trip. I wouldn't say most, but a lot of people can do that in one trip, uh, or, you know, two at the most, but be prepared if you're packing out an elk for the first time. It is going to take a while and a lot of trips. Um, the best, uh, I don't know, example I guess I can think to give you is find like a smaller horse and go up to that thing and just feel like its front shoulders, its rump, and just imagining having to put that on your back. Like that's kind of what you're dealing with. You know, elk are smaller than most horses. And that's why I said a small horse, but they're big. I mean, like deer have nothing on an elk. They are very big. And so you do want some kind of pack that can handle that weight. Um, I've seen guys with like bungee cords. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of people carry parachute cord to tie it on. That's great. Uh, but you want to be able to get that meat tight. Um, the last pack I carried an elk out with was a, what was that thing? Actually, I was using a buddy's pack. I, I had a Eberle stock pack that I thought would be fine to carry out an elk quarter. It had like a little uh, pouch on the back. Um, and then uh, my buddy got an elk and I realized very quickly that my pack wasn't going to do. And so I, I used a buddy's pack frame. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very confident that my stone glacier will carry out a quarter. Um, the last thing I have to say about packs, there is no reason not to get a bigger pack than what you need, because I promise you will fill it up somehow, some way. 
Um, you know, if, if you don't need that much stuff, sweet, you know, hopefully your pack has a way to cinch it down or tie it down or whatever to where it's not flopping around. But you know, you'll be amazed at how much junk you can put in that thing if you have the room. Um, you know, even just your jacket, you know, you almost always need a jacket in the morning by the afternoon you're shedding it. Being able to put that jacket inside the pack instead of having to like tie it on the back is awesome. And then again, like, you know, if you're talking about like a hind elk quarter, very big. So, all right, that's, that's probably enough about packs. I think you guys get my point. Uh, it's, it's, it's just another one of those big ticket items that personally I don't think is super necessary. The next thing I want to talk about is shelters. Uh, for most people, this is going to be a tent, including myself, um, but it doesn't have to be, and we're going to get to that in a second. Uh, so currently, I am running, and I hope I pronounced this right, the Luke's L-U-X-E uh, Mini Peak 2. Uh, I love this tent. I, I bought it for this most recent hunt because we went full backpack hunting style. Uh, and the thing I like about this tent is basically you buy like a fancy rain fly. It's like it's TP shaped and uh, it, it like the tent itself is really just a rain fly. And then they have what's called the inner tent. And that's more of what you think of when you think of a tent. Like, you know, it's got a floor on it, uh, the bug netting and all that good stuff. And so, but the reason I like it so much is, you know, if I check the forecast and there's not a chance of rain, I can just bring that shell and, you know, it offers me some protection. If there, a light rain was to pop up, you know, I'm still covered. I'm going to be fine. Um, but, you know, if I check the forecast and, you know, let's say on day three, there's going to be an absolute downpour, I can bring that uh, that inner tent and have, you know, a, like a legit shelter. And so that's one thing I really like about it. It is very light. Uh, it's fairly compact. They definitely make more compact shelters, but it's fairly compact. And I love how roomy it is because, again, like I was just running the shell on this most recent hunt because it didn't rain the entire week. And you could scrunch it up, but when you set it up, uh, you know, I couldn't stand, but I could comfortably sit. Like, I could sit on my butt, sit up, and my head wasn't touching the top of the teepee. Um, a couple nights, uh, one of my buddies stayed in it with me because he had just brought a tarp. Um, and it was wide enough that we could both sleep in it. Uh, basically, it just has one pole. It has one center pole. I used a trekking pole. You set that pole up, and then it's basically a square teepee, like I keep saying, over the top of it. Um, it also has a door on each side, which is nice. And so, like, the nights where there's two of us sleeping in there, you know, I could open my door, get in and out. He could open his door, get in and out. It was awesome. When I was sleeping in it by myself, I had, like, tons of room. I could put my pack in there. I could leave my sleeping bag out. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan of that setup. Uh, I have used what all? I have used like a my buddy and I. We basically set up a, a, a base camp back in the mountains one time. Uh, he had a big like eight person tent that came in like a roller bag, and so we actually rolled that thing down an old logging road and set it up. And that's a strategy that I, I want to throw out there to people. Like I've I've used this for several years when I was in college. Um, basically my, just my first hunt, you know, I would, I would hunt on weekends. I'd go hunt during the weekend, come back for class, go back the next weekend. And I was going back to the same spot. And so basically just my first time in, I would carry everything. I'd carry my tent. I'd try to carry as much water as possible, as much food as possible. Um, and then I would just leave it there for the whole season. And so, you know, I'm not saying like, 
you know, most people aren't going to be weekend hunting like that if you're going out west. But, you know, if you're going on like a week hunt, that's still something you could do. Basically just kind of go through the torment of packing everything in one time and then set up your little camp back in the woods or back in the mountains, whatever, and then run out of your spike camp. And so for that, you know, we would take like a bigger, nicer tent because, again, once we got it there, you know, we'd go about two and a half miles, set the tent up, and then just leave it for the entire month. And then, you know, we'd hike out, go to class, come back, and our tent and everything was already there. Um, one tip, I, I mentioned food. Do not leave food in that tent over the week because most likely you're going to be in bear country or mountain lion country or even mice and rats, and you don't want those shoes holding your, holes in your tent. I would leave bottles of water in the tent, but I would not leave food. So I do feel like I need to throw that out there. Um, but that was another great option. And again, with that, like you don't need a super nice tent. Um you know, like I said, that one year when there was two of us, we took that eight man. When I was hunting by myself, I had a three man tent that I had bought at like a, a sporting goods store called Big Five. You know, I paid like 30, 40 bucks for it. Like it was not a nice tent, but that's what I could afford. That's what I had. And so that's what I would use. Um, you know, it wasn't super light. Um, but again, I was just kind of carrying it in that one time, set it up, leave it. And then at the end of the season, I would pack it out. If you, uh, there was one year where it was just kind of like an exceptionally wet year. And so what I did is I set my tent up under a tree and then took like a cheap blue tarp from Walmart and used paracord and set that tarp up over my tent. So I had the tarp and the rain fly and then the tent. And so I stayed super dry. Again, I'm talking like a $30, $40 tent. Um, and so that's an option. Um, if you're going to be, you know, camping at your truck, it doesn't matter what tent you have. You can take a camper, you can take a eight person wall tent with rooms. You might as well be able to stand up, change clothes, have room for all your gear. Um, there's no reason to get like a backpacking tent if you're not backpacking. Um, I've never used like a super expensive, you know, nice backpacking type tent. Um, some buddies of mine one year when we went to, to Idaho, they rented one. Uh, for two of them, and honestly, they were not super impressed with it. Uh, I mean, it was light, it was compact, but they just thought that one, it didn't have enough room. You know, it was it was called a two man tent, but like they couldn't keep their packs inside with them. Uh, one night it rained, and they basically had to have their packs on top of their chest while it was raining. Um, you know, if you are going to go that route and get the nice tent, I would probably recommend getting like a two person tent, even if it's just going to be you. Uh, I love being able to put my gear inside my tent because in the mountains, you just never know what the weather is going to be. So, um, yeah, again, kind of on the same, you know, bigger is better. Uh, yeah, I like a bigger tent personally. Um, if you are on a budget, uh, one of the toughest, best elk hunters I personally know, he was my boss on the fire crew. And the way he elk hunts is he loads MREs and a blue tarp, like I was talking about earlier, like a blue top tarp from Walmart. He loads that into his pack, and he leaves his truck, and he does not come back until he kills one. And that is his shelter. Um, if it's you know fairly nice, he'll run some paracord. If it's going to rain, and this is what we did on the fire crew, we did the burrito method. You get in your sleeping bag, you grab the tent, and you basically roll across the ground so that the tarp rolls around you. 
It is not ideal. It is kind of hard to sleep because the tarp is like sitting on your face. But again, if you're on a budget and you are tough enough, like that will work. You can withstand a lot of weather by rolling yourself into a burrito in your tarp and get it done. And so again, like I don't want gear to be an excuse not to go on these hunts because you can get it done. Again, uh, I have the Lux Mini Peak 2. I'll throw that again there. I love it. Again, not sponsored by them. That's just what I used and I had great luck with it. So as far as shelter, uh, those are my best tips. So those last three that I covered, those are kind of like the big three that I hear a lot about. That you have to spend all this crazy money. As we talked about, it's good if you can spend money, but it's not a necessity. Uh, so these next couple items, these are like smaller things. And so I'm not going to like separate each one out necessarily and spend a whole bunch of time. I'm going to kind of run down this list that I've typed up and kind of quickly cover all of them. And so get ready to take some notes because uh, here we go. So sleep system, sleeping bag. Uh... I like to carry a warmer bag than I think I will need because, you know, most likely you're not going to get too hot. If you do, you open the bag, you know, sleep outside, you're good. Um, but it can get colder than you expect. And so even on like a September elk hunt, I typically am running a zero degree sleeping bag. Uh, if you're not super familiar with sleeping bags, that number is not like the comfort rate. That is the survival rate. And so a 40-degree sleeping bag means that you can survive a night at 40 degrees. That does not mean you're going to be comfortable at 40 degrees. You're probably going to be cold. And so I like to run a warmer bag personally because, especially if you're hunting in the mountains, it's always going to be cool at night. You know, it's rarely going to be above 50. More than likely, it's going to be getting down closer to freezing. And so that's why I always like to wear or have a warmer bag. Water purification, this is another one that you can kind of go all over the spectrum. Uh, you know, the easiest way to do it is iodine tablets. Um, I have talked to some guys. I've never actually, I've used iodine tablets, but never for like a full trip. Um, I've talked to a lot of guys that say that they don't drink as much water because it doesn't taste as good. Like, it's not like refreshing. You have that taste, and so you end up not drinking as much water. Um I have used, uh, I got it at Academy, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was like these little squeeze bags. I want to say I only paid like 30 bucks, and basically you fill this bag, screw a filter onto it, and then squeeze the bag so it forces the water through that filter and into your bottle. And I was a little nervous about using it, honestly, just because of the price. Like I said, I think I paid like 30 bucks for it. Um, but the trip that I took that thing, it worked so well that the guys that I was with were asking to borrow it because some of them were using tablets. Uh, another guy had like a much nicer, more expensive filter, but it just wasn't as handy. Um, and then, uh, actually on this last trip we went on, I got a different system I'll talk about in a second. Um, but one of the guys that I'd let borrow, uh, that bag, he actually this year, this last trip brought that filtration system. And so that is a great thing. If you're going to be out in the boonies and you don't want to carry a bunch of water on your back, you know, if you're not, uh, you know, hunting out of the truck, um, I would highly recommend those little squeeze bag filters. This year I went all out and I bought one of those electronic Steri pins, and again, I was pleasantly surprised with it. It worked very well. I never got sick. Again, guys were asking to borrow it. The only downside I found to it is that not having a true filter, you don't get all the junk out of the water. You know, you don't get the sand and the leaves and all that stuff floating in the water. 
And so a lot of times, like, it wasn't the best water to look at because, you know, it was sometimes it'd be clear, sometimes it'd be discolored if you, you know, didn't have a good clean water source. And every once in a while, you'd, you know, your teeth would be grinding on some dirt that came out of it. And so as far as water purification, it worked great. The water tasted fine. Um, but kind of the downside is it doesn't run through an actual filter. So you have some of that graininess, but it worked great. Um, clothing. Uh, this is a hard one because you like, it's hard to give advice, uh, because I don't know what the weather is going to be where you hunt. Um, and so that's something you definitely have to check the weather ahead of time. And, you know, it could change and probably is going to change, but at least it gives you an idea of what to prepare for. Um, once again, kind of like, like I always prefer to be prepared. And so I like to have warmer clothes than I think I will need. And what I like to do a lot of times is basically I have one pair of pants, even if I'm hunting for five or six days, I have one pair of pants, usually a lighter pant, and then I'll bring long john bottoms. And if it's cold or at night or whatever, I can throw my long johns on and usually that's warm enough. Um, and then on the top, it's all about layering. And so I normally have a light, loose layer and then I'll have a sweatshirt and uh, depending on how cold it's supposed to get, I'll bring either like a, a puffy or I, I really don't like to bring a heavy, heavy coat into the mountains just because it's bulky. Um, this last year, honestly, I just wore two sweatshirts. I had kind of a lighter sweatshirt and a heavier sweatshirt and I was fine. And then I'll also bring uh, like a merino wool top to put on at night or if I do get super cold. And so clothing, it's all about layering. And, um, you know, again, like when I was in college and I couldn't afford nice stuff, I was wearing t-shirts and like hoodies that I bought at Walmart. And then like I, I would have my deer hunting coat just in case, uh, you know, that I brought from Texas. Like I did not have nice gear. Um, I will say nice gear is awesome, especially clothing. Like I know it's expensive. It is worth the money. I'll say that about clothing, but again, you don't have to have it. I would know. I will say I wore waterproof pants. Like I couldn't afford all these different hunting pants. I found a pair of waterproof pants at Cabela's for like 40 bucks camo pants. And that's what I wore for years all through college because in the morning I was hunting an area that got a lot of heavy dew and it was pretty grassy and brushy and I would get soaked and I didn't like getting soaked because my pants would be soaked. It would get into my socks and my boots and all that stuff. And so I actually wore waterproof pants every day for years. Um, now one thing I like to do is I'll bring gators. I bought some cheap gators from Cabela's. Um, for those of you who don't know what they are, they're basically like a little waterproof wrap uh, that goes around your ankles and mine come up to like almost my knee and they wrap around my boot. And so I like those because I can put them on the morning. If there is a dew when the evening or, you know, when the dew goes away, I just take them off, throw them in my pack. Good to go. Nice and dry. Um, rain gear is another tough one. Uh, I always feel weird not bringing rain gear. Like even this last trip, there was like no rain predicted. And at the last minute I took my rain gear out and decided to kind of trust the weather. But like, I felt weird not having rain gear because I've been caught out in the mountains in the rain so many times. And so having like a light pair of rain gear is really good. And then, you know, you can put your normal layers on, put your rain gear on top. That way you're warm and waterproof. Um, I've used frog togs. Frog togs are really good. They're bulky. Um, or they're bulky to wear. I should say that they fold up really nice. They fit into your pack. They're really lightweight. 
Um, but if you do have to put them on, they can be bulky and catch. Um, but frog togs are a good one. Uh, any cheap raincoat. I, uh, I had like a Columbia's, um, waterproof jacket that I found on like a clearance sale. I think I paid like 30 bucks for it. That's what I used for years and years and years. Like I said, I'd put my warm clothes on and then just throw that over the top of it. Um, this year I did splurge. I'm almost ashamed to admit this. Well, I wouldn't say I splurged, but, uh, I saved up my Cabela's points for like two years and I bought some nice Sitka rain gear and I do not regret it at all. Like I said, I think I paid like 40 bucks of my own money. I was able to use points for the rest of it. And man, that stuff, like I could sit in a hurricane and still be dry. So I know a lot of people like to make fun of Sitka and the prices. I make fun of the prices myself. I don't like to pay full price. I don't pay full price. Um, but if you are, you know, if you're going to go somewhere where it's going to be wet, I highly recommend that gear. So, so that covers clothing and rain gear. I talked about gators, um, knife, uh, again, like I'm, I, if I'm, when I'm talking about out West, I'm usually talking about elk, you know, most people are going after elk, uh, or mule deer, you know, it'd be awesome if you're going after moose, this still kind of applies. Uh, I like to carry a exchangeable blade knife. Um, I use the outdoor edge knife. Um, the Havilon is another popular one. Um, again, back in college, I would carry like five knives with me because I was afraid that, uh, you know, one wouldn't be enough or two wouldn't be enough. Um, I carried like the little thin ones that like didn't even a handle, have a handle. Um, I would carry like two or three of those, but as soon as the little, uh, uh, exchangeable blade knives came out, I jumped on that real quick because you can carry one blade, you can carry a couple extra, I'm sorry, you can carry one knife and a couple extra blades and be good to go, super lightweight, and again, like if you're going to skin an elk, you will use a lot of blades or a lot of knives. They're a huge animal, they have tough hide, and there's a bunch of it, and so I really like the replaceable blade knives. Game bags. Game bags are a big one in my opinion. I always, always carry game bags, and I usually carry, again, I feel like I'm saying this a lot, I like to carry one more than I think I need, so usually they come in a four-pack. I like to carry five, and that way I have one for each quarter, and then I have another one for extra meat, you know, whether it be rib meat, neck meat, uh, the back straps. Um, or, you know, I've used them to put like the head in or wrap around the head. If you're going to mount it, um, they just kind of come in handy. And I like to, like I said, I like to carry an extra one. Um, if you don't want to carry an extra one, you know, I, basically my, uh, advice would be put a front quarter and a back strap in one bag, front quarter and a back strap in another bag. And then you have one bag for the two hind quarters. And, you know, it's, again, it's pretty easy to throw extra meat around quarters, but it's going to make that bag awkward and more bulky, harder to fit on your pack or in your pack. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, like I said, I like to carry an extra game bag for that. Toiletries, that's kind of up to you. Obviously, you know, toothbrush, toothpaste, all that good stuff. I actually usually don't carry toothpaste. I'll just carry a toothbrush. Um, one thing I like to put in my toiletry bag is some lotion. Uh, because, you know, blisters on your feet, uh, you know, you're rubbing your legs together, uh, you know, your regions in between your legs, <laughs> that can get raw. Uh, so I like to carry a little hand deal of lotion. It comes in handy. 
Um, what else? Any medication. That's one big one. Don't forget your medication if you normally take that. Uh, I've been on prescription sleeping pills for like 17 years. And uh, I have forgot my pills. And when you go from not being able to sleep to begin with to being out in the mountains where it's cold and rough and you have a rock in your back, it makes it really difficult. So don't forget any medication you take. Flashlight and batteries. Um, I used to be like a crazy flashlight guy. I've dialed back on that a lot. Uh, basically, I like to carry one headlamp with two sets of extra batteries because you will use that headlamp a lot, especially if you're camping out there. You know, you're going to use it to cook with. You're going to use it to find your way around. So I like to carry two sets of extra batteries. And then I like to carry a, a small but bright little handheld flashlight just in case something happens to your headlamp. Um, a lot of times I don't even end up using it. I just don't like the idea of being out in the mountains and either losing or breaking my headlamp and not having a backup. So I like to carry an extra little one. Food, man, you could do a whole podcast on food in the backcountry. Um, again, going back to the old college days, uh, just because I feel like that's kind of the the common man type experience. I would basically survive for three days on granola bars and beef jerky. Like, that was basically it. And those little, like, pecan twirl things. I like those. So I'd usually have some of those for breakfast. I would have, uh, like, cliff bars with me. Um, you know, a lot of guys get sick of cliff bars. I still, like, I'm, I'm one of those people, like, I could eat the same thing over and over again if I have to. And so even on this most recent trip, uh, we went out for, we were prepared to spend five days out away from the truck. And I brought Cliff Bars for breakfast and lunch, and then I brought Mountain House for dinner. And so that way I kind of had one nice hot meal at the end of the day. But like in, like I said, in college, I would basically bring Cliff Bars and some beef jerky as like an extra snack. And I would survive for three days on that just fine. Um, there's tons of videos on YouTube and people that go all kinds of crazy with their food and almond butter and calories and all that stuff. Uh, I just, I've, I've never really felt the need to do all that. Um, I will say it's probably a lot more important if you're going on a longer hunt, you know, a 10 day hunt or something like that. But for me, I'm a little overweight anyway. My body can survive just fine without those extra calories. Um, Snickers bars or candy is actually a good thing to bring again, just to kind of get those calories. And so I'll bring a lot of Snickers with me usually. And the nice thing about food is it gets lighter throughout the week because as you eat it, um, the only other thing I'll say about food is pick up after yourself. Do not leave your trash in the mountains. I've come across so many little campsites with wrappers and cans and all that stuff. And I'm talking like way back in the mountains, whatever you carry in, carry it out. So that's going to kind of wrap up my, my Western hunting stuff again. Like I could probably talk for another hour, but I just want to give you guys a brief rundown again. Do not let gear be the reason that you don't go on a Western hunt or a crazy hunt somewhere, you know, wherever it is. Don't let gear be the reason. Uh, trust me, you can get it done with less gear than you think. You may have to be a little tougher, but you can get it done. So real quick, I kind of want to go through my, my whitetail gear list. Um, this is, could be whitetail, turkey, hog, basically just more of the stuff we're hunting, you know, back east or in the south or Oklahoma. 
Um, I have become a lot more of a minimalist uh, as I got older. I think I might have mentioned that earlier. When I go deer hunting, especially like if I'm at home, I take very, very little with me. Uh, I usually bring a bag for convenience because I'm not walking very far, but basically everything I bring with me, I could fit in my pockets. Like I'm that minimalist. Uh, typically in my bag, and this is whitetail, turkey, and hogs, I have a knife, a flashlight, my range finder, calls if I need to, you know, if I'm turkey hunting or if it's the rut and I want to bring a, a grunt call. And that's about it. Uh, you know, if I'm just going to sit for the morning or an evening, I don't bring water. I don't bring snacks. You know, I can sit for three hours without those things. And uh, I have an Ozonics unit. I have like an old, like the original Ozonics. I rarely even bring that thing with me to the tree anymore. Um, I think, uh, and this is nothing against Ozon, Ozonics or any ozone product. I think I actually overuse them on my property. You know, I would run it on my clothes before I went hunted or went hunting, you know, the night before I would run it in the truck on my way. And then I'd get there. I'd bring the unit into the stand with me or in the blind or whatever. And I'd run it up there and, and it, it worked awesome. Like when I started using it, I noticed a difference, you know, I'd have deer come down wind. I'd see him kind of smell it and keep coming. But I think I actually used it so much that the deer associated that odor, smell, whatever you want to call it, with human activity. Um, you know, nothing, I don't think anything can be completely odorless. Like, you know, the point of ozone is to kill odors. Um, but, I mean, watch a deer. Like, even on the commercials, you know, they see a deer will walk up and you'll see them put their nose up there trying to figure out what's going on. Maybe it's the lack of odor that they notice. I don't know what it is, but... Um, yeah, I think I actually used it so much that they started to associate that smell with danger. And so I really don't even carry an Ozonics with me anymore. Um, I'll still use it. I'll use it on my clothes, you know, the night before. Um, but I don't carry it to the tree with me. And honestly, I haven't noticed that big of a, a change. Um, I will say if it's a, if it's a dicey situation, you know, the, the second buck that I killed this year, I did have an Ozonics with me, and I do think it saved me because that deer was trying to get downwind, and it was pretty windy. Um, but I was hunting a spot where I had never used that Ozonics before, and so I don't think that deer had ever smelled it. Um, and he didn't. He got close to downwind of me, but I don't think he got true downwind. Um, and I and I, again, like I, I will say, I think the Ozonics helped me there. Um, but I basically just throw that as a caution. You know, don't overuse any ozone product. And I don't like to carry it to the tree. So that's a long way of saying that. Um, like I said, I do want plan to hunt Kansas this year. Um, that will be my first ever like destination whitetail hunt. I've done a lot of whitetail hunting, but I've never like gone to another state. Uh, you know, I've, I've hunted Texas and Oklahoma, but it's always been like at a buddy's property at my property. I've never like just picked out a spot and gone whitetail hunting. And that's what I'm going to do this year. And so I've started to kind of go through my gear list in my mind. Um, I will most likely be truck camping. Uh, unless the weather is terrible, I don't really want to pay for a hotel. So I'm probably just going to be camping at the truck. Um, I <laughs> Honestly, I'm probably not going to bring my little teepee. I might go buy like one of those giant eight-person tents, you know, at the end of summer when they put them all on sale uh, because there's no reason not to be able to stand up and have all that room um the only 
gear that I'll probably bring with me that I wouldn't otherwise is extra batteries. And I'm thinking about getting one of those heads-up decoys, uh, the ones that you can, like, attach to your bow or it's just the head. Um, I've just heard that those things are killer out in Kansas uh, because, you know, they have a lower deer population, uh, uh, a very mature uh, buck population. And so I'm thinking about picking up one of those. But honestly, I'm not going too far out of the ordinary. Um, I'm very excited. Like, I'm excited about this hunt. But... I'm basically just taking all the stuff I already have. And so that's another reason I wanted to bring that up is because like, you know, let's say you are sitting at home and you're thinking to yourself like, man, I just, I really can't justify going on a Western hunt and spending that money on a tag and, and all that good stuff, man, just because you can't afford to go a thousand miles doesn't mean you can't go on an adventure hunt. It doesn't even mean you have to go to a different state. Like, you know, if you live in Western Oklahoma, Go to eastern Oklahoma. If you live in eastern Oklahoma, go to western Oklahoma. Pick a public land spot. You know, camp out in the parking lot and hike in and out every day. Uh, and just go to, like, go to a spot you've never been before. To me, like, that's part of the fun part. Like, I'm going to Kansas not necessarily trying to kill the biggest buck I've ever killed in my life. Um, you know, there could be that chance they're there. But the main reason I'm going is just to have that adventure. Like, I'm doing some some online scouting, you know, Onyx and stuff. I've thought about maybe making one little quick weekend trip out there just to kind of drive around, maybe find some some spots that aren't on on aren't on, on X. That's a lot to say. Um, but, like, I want this to be a challenge. I want it to be an adventure. I want to be driving around in my truck, glassing from the road, jumping out, running after deer, you know, trying to find areas throughout the week. Uh, I'm probably not even going to go for a week. It's most likely going to be like a four day thing. Probably only three hunting days. Um, but yeah, like I want that adventure. And so again, if you're sitting at home, you're listening to all this gear stuff and like, man, I can't afford that. You know, find a different adventure, find one that you can go on. And you'll probably notice I didn't mention, you know, gun stuff or bow stuff like, that's not when I think of gear. That's not really what I think of because most likely, if you're into the outdoors and you're into hunting, you already have that. You don't need to go buy another bow just because you're going to go deer hunt Kansas as opposed to deer hunt Oklahoma. So that's kind of why I left that stuff out. But again, like I said, you can make your own adventure. And so, yeah, that's kind of a rambly end to this gear podcast. But I, I do like I want to encourage you guys to get out there and uh, and push your limits a little bit. So. I'll quit rambling now and shut this thing down. That's going to do it for this week, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I apologize again for my little adventure ramble there at the end, but if y'all can't tell, I'm pretty passionate about this stuff, and I just want you guys to be passionate about it and love it too, just like I do. So, yeah, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. If y'all have any questions about gear, feel free to hit me up on Instagram or Facebook. And yeah, I love it. I hope you guys do. Again, part of the reason I wanted to have this uh, podcast this time of year is so that you guys can be planning for the future, planning for these future hunts. Um, start buying your gear now. You know, spread it out over time. You'll make your spouse a lot happier that way. And uh, so, yeah. Um, wish me luck on my turkey hunts. I hope you. Uh, I hope I have some luck. I can't wait to talk to you guys about it. I also plan to take my video camera along with me. And so, who knows, we might put a little footage out on the old uh, YouTube. So, keep that uh, in mind. And, yeah, that is all I have for you guys this week. So, I enjoy talking to you guys. I hope you guys enjoy listening. And I will see you guys next week.